Let's turn our Bible this morning to the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter number 22 this morning. Acts chapter number 22. And let me encourage you while you're turning there to uh, remember Sunday school after the service this morning and uh, our service tonight. And it's just wonderful to be a part of the family of God. It's wonderful to be a part of church. I love church. I love going to church. I love being part of church. And uh, I'm thankful for the all uh, that uh, church brings to us. I had a note this morning, I didn't mention earlier, from the Jones family thanking the church uh, for all the prayers and the notes and acts of kindness uh, in the death and home going of their father. And it's during times like that, it's wonderful to know about heaven and know that your loved ones are saved and on your way there, on their way there. Um, it's wonderful to have a church family too. You may be here this morning, you may be new, there's many who have been uh, trusted Christ just in recent weeks. You say, what, why, why do I need a church? Uh, well, you're going to have some burdens. You're going to have some heartaches. Uh, you need a place to, to, to grow. And you may say, well, won't the Lord do all that for me? Absolutely. That's a fact. But sometimes He uses people to do that. And uh, I encourage you to uh, get plugged in uh, to a, a local New Testament Baptist church. And if you struggle with finding a good recommendation, if you'll see me right after the service, uh, I can recommend a good one to you. Uh, we've been in the book of Acts uh, since the beginning of the year. Our theme this year is action, built around Acts 1-8, uh, that mandate for the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. If my count is correct, this is uh, the 58th message that I'll preach this morning from the book of Acts, uh, making tonight, uh, if the rapture does not take place, uh, number 59. I've been in Acts chapter number 20 for several weeks. Uh, this, this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter number 22, and we'll probably be here for uh, several weeks as well. Uh, but this morning I want us to begin reading in Acts chapter number 22, begin reading in verse number 1. We'll read the first ten verses for our text this morning. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. This is the Apostle Paul. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamio, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey... It was come nigh unto Damascus about noon. Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus. And there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. In these first ten verses of chapter number 22 this morning, we find Paul giving an account of, of what has taken place in his life. And this morning, I've just entitled this simple message, The Testimony of Paul. And this morning, we're going to look at what God did in Paul's life to be reminded of what God can do and has done 
in our life. You and I may not have the same testimony of Paul. None of us have the same testimony as the person sitting next to us. We may have some similar things, but I promise you, if you're saved this morning, we all have the same Savior. And we all came to God the same way. And this morning, I want to use this message to uh, not only encourage us, but challenge us. And this morning, if you're not for certain you're on your way to heaven, let me encourage you to, to give me your attention this morning. Let me encourage you to not just give me your attention, but give the Holy Spirit of God your attention this morning as the Word of God is preached, as, as we look at the testimony of Paul. Father, I pray this morning uh, that you'll uh, meet with us uh, throughout the time of the message as you already have. Father, we're thankful for the great music. We're thankful for the uh, obvious uh, moving of the Spirit thus far. And Father, I pray this morning that uh, the message as it is preached, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God uh, would use me and do what I cannot do this morning. And Father, I pray that the Word of God uh, will be a help to us. And Father, I pray that if there is one here uncertain of their eternity, may they realize uh, the most important decision they'll ever make is that to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ I pray they'll get that settled this morning. For the Christian who may be discouraged, may we be reminded this morning that because we have salvation, uh, we are not defeated. Because we have salvation, there's always hope. Because we have salvation, we have a future to look forward to. Uh, May we this morning allow the Word of God to speak to our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chapter number 20, which we've been in for some time, and now we're in chapter number 22. Uh, Chapter number 21 is an interesting uh, transition chapter, obviously from 20 to 22. But you'll find at the end of chapter number 21, you'll find, as has been the case with the Apostle Paul... Everywhere he goes preaching the gospel, the gospel, the, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, it, it causes a turmoil, causes a stir. If you recall, a few Sunday mornings ago, I preached on no small stir, which really, uh, uh, really signifies every time the gospel is preached. But once again, Paul faces persecuting, persecution for his preaching of the gospel. He is facing uh, beatings for the, for the preaching of the gospel. Uh, he, there's some turmoil because he has preached the gospel, and he has been taken captive now. And at the end of the verse, uh, in the chapter 21, we see um, some accusations against him. Are you, you this Egyptian? Are you this? He says, oh, let me, let me explain to you who I am. Let me explain to you why all of the fuss. And we get to chapter number 22 and we begin Paul giving his testimony. We find him speaking in the first couple of verses to men, brethren, and fathers. It says, Hear ye now my defense, which I make now unto you. And it's very interesting. He's just going to use this as an opportunity to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and what the Lord did for him. Christian, never underestimate your testimony. Never underestimate what Jesus did for you. My testimony, if you will, is kind of boring. I grew up in a Christian home. I was born in the, in the home of a, of, of a pastor. Uh, but my, my testimony is the same as yours in the fact that I could not get to heaven myself. I was a sinner and needed a Savior as we all need. Don't underestimate your testimony and what the Lord has done for you. Because I promise you, if the Lord can save some of you, 
That gives hope to the rest of the world out there that we have a great God, we have a wonderful Savior. He begins to give his testimony, and by way of introduction, I want you to notice a a few things about his testimony that, that I think would help you and I in our testimony as well. We see a spirit of courage from the Apostle Paul. Paul was not a coward when it came to preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anything our world needs in the year 2018, it's for Christians to have courage when it comes to their testimony. For Christians to have courage when it comes to giving the gospel to their loved ones, to their neighbors, to their co-workers, to their friends. Friend, this morning you and I must understand that it takes a spirit of courage to give a, a, a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was it a spirit of courage, we find it was a spirit of meekness. Friend, I I am confident in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am confident that He can save any sinner. I am confident in the Word of God. But friend, you and I must present this great news. You and I must present what God has done in our heart and our life in a spirit of meekness. Sometimes Christians get too full of themselves. Sometimes we look and we see what God has done with us and we forget where God has brought us from. Friend, you didn't save yourself. You didn't clean yourself up. You didn't overcome these things in your life, in your past, without the help of an almighty God doing a supernatural work. You and I must come across in a spirit of meekness. I wonder how many lost people have been turned off by the haughty spirit of a Christian. By the spirit of a Christian that looks, sees where they, sees where they are now and they look down and, and sees where that sinner is. And, but Paul was not that way. This is the apostle Paul who has seen miracles of God, who's seen God do miraculous things, but yet he came across in a spirit of meekness. Not only we find that in his testimony, we find a spirit of love. It takes a spirit of love to try to give the gospel to the very people who are persecuting you. It takes a spirit of love to try and win people who want to imprison you, who are beating you. Friend, I've said this before, and I think it needs to be said over and over again in the day we live in. It's never been more important that we hold where we stand on, on, on the Word of God. The way our culture is gone, the way our world is gone, while we still live in the greatest country on the face of God's earth, uh, there are some things in our nation that are very troubling, that are very wrong, that are very contrary to Scripture. But friend, I, I, I stand firm in what I believe and where I believe, but I don't ever want to get to a place where I don't have love in my heart for the people who need the gospel, the people who need salvation. Friend, let me tell you what will change America once again is for Christians to have a love in their heart that they'll go and they'll give the gospel to the very people who oppose them, the very people uh, who, who would be an adversary to them, the very people who are not like them. And we find this spirit of love in the heart in the testimony of the Apostle Paul. We also find a spirit of simplicity. His testimony is very simple. Friend, you don't have to complicate the gospel. You don't have to make it more than it is. This morning, if you came in the church doors and you're not certain of your eternity, you don't understand what this salvation thing is all about. You don't understand what eternity is all about. Friend, it's a very, very simple thing. Jesus is the answer for it all. Jesus is the only one that you and I can get to our to, to God through. It's through the applied blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, you got saved by a simple plan of salvation, not by a 
complicated salvation. In Paul's testimony, he said, let me just tell you about me. I wonder some Christians who you're timid and you're shy and giving the gospel, I wonder what would happen if you just stood, if you sat across from the break room table or you or, or you sat you stood on the corner talking to your neighbor or or the next time you were your family, you just simply told what God had done in your life. You had just simply told how God had changed you. You just simply told, friend, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a ministry experience. Just tell what Jesus did for you. We find the simplicity of his testimony. With that in mind, as he begins to speak to that crowd who is who has been up in turmoil now, that crowd who has beat him, that crowd who now has him captive, we find him beginning to talk to them through verses 3 down through even beyond verse 10. But let me, know, let me give you some things this morning from our, our text on the testimony of Paul. We find, first of all, he talks of his youth and his upbringing. Look with me again at verse number 3. I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. We find his youth in his upbringing. He tells them, I am a Jew. He tells them of his birthright. He tells them, of, I was born a Jew. This is who I am. This is, you got to understand uh, who Paul was fighting against. You have to understand who Paul, the culture that Paul was going against. Uh, there was, as he was a missionary in these, in these, to the Gentile, uh, they had their pagan ways. They had their pagan, uh, they had their, their pagan uh, idols that they worshiped. Uh, but, but then he had the issues with the Jews and that them holding to the law and them not wanting to recognize the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ as the risen Savior, he tells him of his birthright and his descent. Let me give you my pedigree, if you will. Then we find uh, that he tells them uh, of, of his, uh, uh, he was born in Tarsus. This man who was a Jew, the son of a Pharisee, he tells him now uh, that I was born in Tarsus. Say, what does that mean, Pastor? Say, now that he tells them where he was born, it, it reveals to them of the culture that he was exposed to. Uh, the uh, city of Tar uh, Tarsus, uh, with all of the activity, uh, with all of the, the culture that was around, he was telling them, I wasn't born and bred on the backside of a desert somewhere. I am a Jew, I have a pedigree, and I have been cultured. He is telling them of his youth and his background. Then we find he tells them of his education. He sat at the feet of the, of the, great, the greatest scholars and teachers of that day. He was educated. Now notice the three things that we see here that he tells them. He tells them of his birthright of his descent. He tells them of his pedigree. He tells them that he has culture. He has been exposed to the culture of the day. He also speaks of his education. Now I find it very, very interesting that as he speaks of those three things in that day, is that not three things that this society that we live in and this world we live in put a high premium on, it's important who you're born to. 
It's important what side of the tracks you're born on. It's important your pedigree. And some who are born into privilege, they like to remind everybody else that they were born into privilege. He reminds them of their culture. Such a premium is put on culture today. And and you should be cultured. And I'm not necessarily saying these things are bad. I'm not necessarily saying, I mean, you can't help who you're born to one way or another. But then the education. My goodness, today we live in a world where we worship education. I believe in education. I'm glad that my teachers learned me real good, and I'm, I, I'm glad that, 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 that I have these things, and, and, and I, I'm glad of all of the culture. It's like that music meeting I announced. I mean, we have got good music here. We have balanced music here. You know, in that 10 o'clock meeting next, next uh, uh, Saturday, that's the closest I'm going to get to ever being in the music program is being in a meeting with all of the musicians. Hey, but we've got culture and, and education and all these things that are, that are important in the day that we live in today and, and he puts the premium on these things but understand something uh, they, they, this did not help them get saved this did not help him uh, ha- have his needs met this did not help him uh, reach the Lord Jesus Christ and friend let me say this morning give me your attention this morning let me say to you it doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on that will not save you It does not matter how educated you are. There are a lot of individuals. They've got a lot of letters behind their name. But I promise you this, if they're saved this morning, they got saved the same way everybody else did. They had to humble themselves to be saved. But on the flip side of that, you can have a third grade education and you can still have your sins forgiven you. And you can still know that you have an eternity in heaven. All you've got to understand is that I'm not good enough. I'm a sinner and God loves me me so much. He sent His perfect Son, the Son of God, to live a sinless life, and He willingly laid His life down and paid my sin debt, and for three days, He he laid in that tomb, and He suffered death and hell for all mankind, but on that third day, that day we celebrate, it wasn't about the Easter bunny, it wasn't about an Easter egg hunt, it was about the Lord Jesus Christ coming forth victorious with the keys of death and hell. A kindergartner can understand that. A child can understand that, and I don't care what your education is this morning, you can understand that. You cannot save you. The church cannot save you, but only the Lord Jesus Christ can save you. We find here, he begins to tell them of his background. Don't you know, there were people in that crowd who identified with his background. There's a lot of people there saying, I'm I'm a Jew too. Notice verse 2, it says, And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. Like, whoa, wait a minute, he's one of us. He's one of us. Friend, there's a great lesson here. there, There are people you know that if the preacher comes to talk to them, they're putting the wall up. There's some of you, you could win people to Christ that I could never win. Because they identify with you. More than they identify with me. And don't you know there are people there who say, you know what, he, he's not one of those dumb Baptist preachers. He said he's got some education. He can actually string some sentences together. He identified with his past. He begins to tell them, this is what I was. This is my upbringing. But notice number two, if you will. We find at the end 
of verse number 3 down to verse number 5, he reminds them, he says, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. We find not only his youth and upbringing, he begins to tell him of his misplaced zeal. He says at the end of verse 3, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. There was no one more zealous in his religion than the Apostle Paul before his salvation. If salvation was just based on how sincere and how motivated and how dedicated you were, Paul was covered. Of course, he was Saul before he was saved, and he would have he would have been covered. He was free. Uh, he was he was dedicated. Uh, he had zeal to 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 he, he, what he believed was right. He even had the backing of the high priest. Without high priest, what well, he recognized in Saul here is here is a man who is dedicated. Here is a man who will go to the end of the earth. He was so zealous. He was so dedicated to his cause that he even persecuted those who did not believe like he believed. He not only stood for what he believed, his standing was persecuting those Christians who would believe on the resurrected Christ. He was zealous. Can you imagine as he's speaking there in the Holy Spirit is guiding His words. Let me identify with some of you and tell you my background. Oh, I was zealous. Just as many of you are zealous. Friend, can I remind all of us this morning, sincerity don't get you one step closer to heaven. Only believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I remind you this morning, it doesn't matter how zealous you are, without complete faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't be saved. Friend, your busyness for God does not save you. Your activity in religious things will never save you. If that's not true, somebody explain to me, Paul. Somebody explain to me this man who was so zealous for the church and so zealous in his religion that even the high priest, had, he had his backing, he had his, his admonition, he had his uh, ascending into the world to, to shut down all the opposition. Uh, he was zealous, he was sincere, but friends... He was sincerely wrong. He told them of his misplaced zeal. Friend, I'm for zeal. I'm for busyness. But friend, the busyness in religious things is not going to save you. 
You, 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 can attend, you can attend a church, you put a label on it all you want to, a Catholic church, a Methodist church, a Baptist church. You can be a member there. You can be, never miss a service. You can go through everything. You can light a thousand candles a day. It won't get you a step closer to heaven. You can be busy. You can be sincere. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to say, well, I, I really believe this. I'm really sincere. And friend, it's not what you believe. It's not what I believe. It's what God has said. And Paul is giving the testimony here, I was zealous just like you. Maybe that's why Paul could be humble in giving his testimony. Maybe that's why the Apostle Paul could still speak with love. Because his testimony as he gave it, those who he was given it to could see themselves in him. He could see himself in them. He says, I was, I was zealous just as many as you. What is he saying? I was where you are right now. I was the same way. I was just like you, and I thought I was doing the right thing. And I thought the more zealous I was about my religion, the closer to God that I was. I, I thought that, that the more uh, uh, that, that, that I put into it, and, and so much so that I will imprison somebody else who, does, who goes against what my religion, that I will even take the life of somebody else who, who, would, who, would, who would go against my religion. I remind you, we know that it was that man Saul who held the coats of those who stoned that deacon Stephen because he dared speak of a resurrected Christ. This, he, Paul, Paul's up there and he's saying, oh boy, I was zealous just like some of you. And friend, it would do you and I well. It would do you and I well as we give our testimony to praise God for what He has done for us and allow people to identify with who we are. But don't you ever forget that without Jesus, you were, you were just like this lost world. Without Jesus, you were just as lost, just as on your way to hell, just as much in need of a Savior. Let's not forget where God brought us from. Let's not forget forget what He saved us from. Let's be sincere. Let's be real so people can identify with us. But don't ever forget. Don't ever forget that such were some of you before the Lord Jesus Christ. We find He speaks of His zeal. His misplaced zeal. Thirdly this morning, and this is where we get down to really I believe where Paul wanted to get to. We find in verses 6 through 8, we find his confrontation with Jesus. He tells him, let me tell you about my upbringing. Let me tell you about my youth. Let me speak to you in the Hebrew tongue and tell you I'm, I'm a Jew. I'm cultured. I'm educated. Well, I see the zeal you have, and let me just tell you something. That's nothing on the zeal that I once had. Now he comes to, tells him of his confrontation with Jesus in verse 6, And it came to pass that as I made my journey, it was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. He said, I was in the middle of my zeal, 
And I was doing what I, 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 I was zealous in my religious works. I was so zealous. I, I, I have just arrested Christians, and I am on the road to Damascus, and suddenly, I love that word, suddenly. Aren't you glad that we were in just in our everyday business and we didn't know it was our day of salvation? Somebody invited us to an old-fashioned Baptist church and we had no idea what the Holy Spirit had in store for us. So we got up and we didn't know that somebody was in that before that day ended was going to open their Bible and present to us a risen Savior who paid for our sins. And suddenly, Jesus interrupted the routine. Suddenly, Jesus interrupted what they had scheduled, and we find a confrontation with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you picture with me, as Paul is speaking to them, he is telling them of his upbringing. He had everything that this world could offer him. He had a pedigree, a life he was born into. He was cultured. He had an education, and he was so zealous in his religious works that he had the eye of the high priest himself. But lo and behold, he's in the midst of his religious service, and the Lord Jesus Christ confronted him, and he became face, he came face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he speaks of that confrontation with Jesus. Friend, I'm reminded this morning that you and I have had to have a confrontation with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough for you to believe there's a church. It's not enough for you to even believe there's a Bible. You must come face to face with the realization that there is but one way to heaven. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. You must come face to face with the realization that there's only one way to get forgiveness of sins, and that's to put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. You say, well, preacher, I don't like that. Friend, there's a lot of us who didn't like that when we first heard it, but we have to have that confrontation with Jesus if we are going to be saved. He said, he, he sees suddenly there shone from heaven a great light. He fell into the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He answered, Who art thou, Lord? He said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Paul knew who that was. Paul that moment had a moment of realization. He is the risen Savior. That moment, can you imagine being so zealous in your religious works that all of a sudden you're confronted with the one that you've left out in your religious zeal? Why hast thou persecuted? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth. Well, I can recall my confrontation with the Lord Jesus Christ. I was a child, and there was a Bible class, and the, the flannel graph was uh, being given of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you this morning, as a child, uh, just a couple months short of my fifth birthday, I didn't see a bright light. I didn't hear a voice, but let me, let me tell you this morning, I heard the still small voice of the Holy Spirit of God say, you are a sinner. And believe me, at that time in my life, I had no problem knowing I was a sinner. I had teachers reminding me I was a sinner. I had parents reminding me I was a sinner. I had principals reminding me I was a sinner. Every time I turned around, I was being reminded that I was a sinner. I had that part covered and accepted. I'd already acknowledged that in my life. I knew 
I was a sinner, but the Holy Spirit of God showed me as a child that there is but one way to escape that punishment for your sins, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember my confrontation with Jesus. I remember the time when I came face to face with the realization that Greg Neal was a sinner, and because he was a sinner, he deserved hell, and he was going to go there unless somebody stepped in and changed that. And thanks be to God, there is one who stepped in and changed that, and I was confronted with the only one who could save my sins. I was confronted with the only one who could change my eternity. I was confronted with the only one who could change my ways, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian, do you remember when you were confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was no longer your religion, it was no longer your self-righteousness, it was no longer anything else that you held to, but it was Him. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, perhaps... Perhaps this is your confrontation. Not with this pastor, but with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in Him. Maybe this morning you're here and you say, Pastor, I, 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 like, I like what I've seen. I like what I've, But this, this idea that my religion is not enough, that my church is not enough, that, that, that my good works is not enough. Friend, that, that's not a Baptist preacher. That's not a, a Baptist philosophy, if you will. It is the truth of Scripture that, that there is one way to heaven, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is but one sin sacrifice, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You must have that confrontation with the Lord Jesus. See, Jesus confronted His zeal. While it was real zeal, it was misplaced zeal. Confronted his, his upbringing, confronted his culture, confronted his education. Must be born again. Friend, this morning, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? I didn't ask you if you were a church member. I didn't ask you what your religious background was. I, did, I didn't ask you if you were educated this morning. I didn't ask you what your grandmother did. I didn't ask you how religious she was. I asked you this morning, are you saved? Have you been born again? Have you had that confrontation with the Lord Jesus Christ when you realize there is no hope but for Him? Can you imagine this testimony? Let me tell you about myself. Let me tell you my background. Oh, let me tell you about the zeal I had. Some of the same zeal I see in you, that's the zeal I had. But something happened on my way to Damascus. I was confronted with Jesus. In verse number 10, fourthly and finally we see, he continues speaking. Let's look at verse number 9 and they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? The Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. We find here this last part of his testimony. We find he tells them of his surrender. So let me tell you about myself. Let me tell you about my resume, if you will. My zeal, oh, but something happened one day. I was confronted by the Lord Jesus Himself. We find finally 
in our text this morning, we find a surrender. Lord, what would you have me to do? I believe that there are many who have been confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ in the fact that He is presented as the only way to heaven, the only hope of salvation, the only source of forgiveness for our sins. But yet, they don't make a decision of surrender to Him. See, Saul at the time had a choice. Do I surrender or do I continue on? You say, well, Pastor Neil, that didn't seem like much of a choice if the Lord Jesus Christ, if there was a light that shined down on me and the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, uh, he, he came and His audible voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And then He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I don't think there's much choice. Friend, can I just be as, as transparent and as blunt as I possibly can this morning? If you were confronted with your lost condition and your sins in a church service just like this, and the Holy Spirit of God has confirmed in your heart that what this man is saying to you is true this morning, what this Bible says to you is true this morning, and you were to reject that, I don't see it. I, I really don't see a choice, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I can't see a choice really between heaven. Heaven. There is a choice between heaven and hell, but why would somebody choose to reject the Lord Jesus Christ being presented to them as the only Savior? We find a surrender. We find two sources of surrender. First, he surrendered his soul. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives this testimony. He's, he's telling them that I trusted, I, I believed on him. And we find that submission of his soul for salvation. Christian, think about when you got saved. You might have been walked through a prayer. You might have prayed one yourself. But you remember when you got saved? It was a submission of your soul. It was a submission of your heart. It was a submission of your self-will. You were no longer depending on you or somebody else, but you submitted that and said, I'll depend only on the Lord Jesus. You might not have understood exactly what you were doing. Maybe you said something like this after you got saved. I, just, I, feel, I, feel, I feel a burden off of me. I just feel better. I just feel, what was it? It was a surrender of your soul. Sadly, there are some that will not surrender that which they know is true. Jesus, I can't tell you, there's countless people I've talked to. Everything that I've said this morning, I've said to them in some way, and they would even acknowledge they believed it was true, but yet they would not submit and believe on Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You have a choice this morning. Whether or not you're going to submit as this man Paul submitted. You say, well, I, this is not the way I was brought up. Wasn't the way Paul was brought up either. It's not the culture I'm used to. Wasn't the culture Paul was used to either. Well, well my, my, my family, they, they belong to this, uh, this other religion. Uh, Paul was the son of a Pharisee, but yet he, when he was confronted with the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I, I will submit my soul. I know that it is Him. I know that I must believe on Him. And he submitted his soul for salvation. You must do that. But notice also, there's a, there's a surrender 
of his soul, but a surrender of service. Once he was saved there, that confrontation with the Lord Jesus Christ, his next question was, what will you have me do? And now that zeal that had been misplaced, he turned to the one now has saved him and said, what do you want me to do? Now paraphrasing, Jesus says, go on and I'll show you all the things that you need to do. And it's a whole other message, but he, he gets to Ananias and Ananias that devout brother, as he calls him, gets him and helps him grow in his new faith. But it is a surrender, not just of my soul, but of my service. And can, can I just use this this morning uh, to just challenge you and I and ask the question, why is it we're so willing to surrender our soul, but we won't surrender our service? It just made sense to Paul. You save me, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be just as zealous in serving you. And now we find him in his zeal, now giving his testimony to this group of religious people and and explaining to them that once I surrendered my soul, I surrendered my service to him. Maybe this morning you're saved. You're secure. You have trusted Christ as your Savior. You put your belief on him. You put your faith on him, depending on him and nothing else. You're saved and you're sure about it. You've surrendered your soul to Christ for salvation. Let me ask you this morning, have you surrendered your service? We find in the life of the Apostle Paul happened at the same time. Have you surrendered your service? Would you be just as zealous in serving the Savior as you have been in serving yourself, serving this world, serving some religion? Where is the same zeal that you had in building a life down here? Where is that same zeal for serving the Savior? This morning, if you're not saved, here's a confrontation. Pastor, I don't, I don't like I don't I don't like pressure. My, my, my responsibility this morning is not to put pressure on you. My responsibility is to preach the truth to you of the Word of God. That pressure you feel right now is not coming from me; it's coming from the Holy Spirit of God. Ye must be born again. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. There's only one way. It's through Jesus. There's only one way to the perfect Son of God. This morning, are you saved? Are you sure? Do you have testimony this morning of salvation? Maybe there's several things in the testimony of Paul that you can relate to. Let me encourage a Christian this morning to be reminded of what God's done for you. Don't ever get over being saved. Don't ever get over the fact that God loves you so much. He sent His Son to die for you. To pay your sin debt. Don't ever get over that. Say, I'm discouraged this morning. That ought to encourage you right there. The fact that God loved you enough to save you. Say, well, I'm not doing everything I should do for the Lord. Well, let's surrender that service to Him. You know, you can start. You may not have started when you got saved. You can start today. You can start today saying, I'm going to take some of that same zeal I had in other areas of my life, and I'm going to put it towards serving the Lord. 
You can start that today. Friend, this morning, if you're not for certain you're on your way to heaven, today's an opportunity for you to trust Christ as your Savior. There's but one way. This morning, I would be lying to you if I told you that if you joined the Baptist church, it would save you. I'd be lying to you. You can't join any church for salvation. I'd be lying to you this morning if I said, let me take you over there and baptize you and you'll be saved. Baptism does not save anyone. It's a picture of salvation. Baptism never has saved anybody, never will save anybody. You must be born again. I'd be lying to you if I told you you live a, live a, live a good life, you live a, a religious life, if you do all of that, then you can go to heaven. I'd be lying to you if I told you that. But friend, at the same token, I would be, God would hold me accountable for not telling you that if you depend on that, it will not change your destination from heaven to hell. If you depend on that, you must be born again. Let's do this morning what we need to do when it comes to the testimony of Paul. Maybe you can identify, Christian, with Paul's testimony up to the point of surrender. This morning, why don't we get that settled? Why don't you surrender your will, your zeal, your future to serving the Lord? Friend, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you're going to have an opportunity to do that this morning. I hope you'll let somebody show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. Father.